Welcome to the Leaders Edge podcast. I'm Sandy Laycox, Editor-in-Chief of Leaders Edge. In this episode, I talk with Dave Miles, founding partner of Manchester Story, an Iowa-based startup investor in the insurtech, fintech, and health tech sectors. We talk about access to funding for diverse founders, what funding rounds might look like in the next year or so, and how Des Moines is a major insurance center with opportunities for numerous partnerships, including theirs with our sponsor, Broker Tech Ventures. Give it a listen. All right, David, so great to have you here with me. Thanks so much for joining me. No, I'm delighted to be here. Thanks. We are going to talk uh, all about investing today in SureTech and some of the other um, areas that your team um, invests in as an early stage investor. Starting out with, um, I, you guys invest in healthcare, fintech, and insurtech, these three different channels. So I was curious to know how tech-related innovation in insurance compares in your mind to fintech and health tech, um, or do you approach them differently as an investor? Oh, that's a good question, uh, one that we don't often get. Um, our primary focus is insure tech, and, um, and I would say we chose that because in looking in the fintech world, and when we, when we started our journey, InsureTech, I think, was considered more a subset of fintech than its own independent category. Um, it was it, it was apparent to us that other financial services companies had made more progress, and and startups uh, focusing on other financial services companies like like banking, uh, like credit, like payments, had made more progress than than the insurance industry had in terms of um, using data and analytics, and also using technology to improve the customer experience. So it seemed like it was a, uh, a greater opportunity. And, and I would say that's still the case. We work in SureTech the hardest. We are in SureTech focused firm, but FinTech is definitely adjacent. And a number of the startups that we look at there are very close to InsureTechs or have some overlap. And health tech, of course, is paid for primarily through insurance, uh, either private or government insurance. And so there's a lot of it important adjacencies there too. So we come at it from an insurance lens, but there are occasionally companies that are that are um, uh, close that we find it we find it worthwhile to look at and and even invest in. And as you're looking at um, these different companies and evaluating whether or not you want to invest, you mentioned that you um, you're able to identify, unique management teams that you think will succeed. What are some of the qualities that make them unique in your mind? And, and a follow-on question, this is, you know, a lot of talk we hear about ESG these days. I've been wondering if if any investors are actually in the insurtech space looking at ESG factors when they make investments. Both are good questions. I'll actually start with the second one. That That is an important factor for us. And we think access and um, the opportunity to uh, to get funding is, is clearly still more limited for um, diverse for diverse founders than it is for the you know for the the typical founder today uh, which still tends to be a you know white male mm-hmm. uh, and so, um, we we are very much focused on that, trying to do what we can to support that community, and 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 um, 
And frankly, while it, it, it fits well with our belief system, there's also um, anal um, analysis that, that really shows that if one does not um, make the effort to, um, to find opportunities to invest in diverse founders, then, then we, for our, our limited partners, are leaving money on the table um, because, um, because the performance has been extraordinary. Uh, it's just clearly still harder to get funding. So that is important to us. Um, what we look for in founders is a variety of things. Um, it's always great if they've had a prior success, of course, but that's not usually the case, particularly because we're, we are early stage investors. And so, you know, we see well over a hundred, it might be 125, 135 companies for every company that we invest in today. And most of them are making the leap for the first time. So in that group, we're going to look for um, strong technology experience and understanding of the sector. Again, for us, it's typically insurance. Um, uh, we're going to look for um, uh, resiliency because whatever it is they think they're going to do is not going to turn out to be <laughs> what they end up doing. Right. Uh, so they've got to do that. And it's this unique combination between an absolute confidence that they have a great idea that's really going to change the world and they're going to pursue it regardless of all the negative feedback they get, because they're going to get a tremendous amount of negative feedback. They have to have all of that. And so just, just be able to, to plow straight forward. But they also have to have, I'll call it the emotional intelligence, to know when they get to a point that straight ahead isn't working anymore. 30 degrees to the right or 45 or 60 degrees to the left might be necessary to move forward. And, and that's a rare combination to have absolute confidence, but also know, you know, when, when one morning, hey, we're going to have to change, not necessarily the, the bigger objective, the ambition for the company, but we're going to change how we need to get there. Um, and, um, and sometimes, sometimes even where they're, where the destination is. And, and that, uh, that is, uh, that's a rare combination of skills. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure that it is hard to find and probably challenging for you all to sort of determine. It probably takes a lot of uh, time spent with potential, um, you know, potential teams in order to really determine if they have those factors. It, it is. And, and, you know, we don't have any crystal ball. I, I commented to a, uh, to a founder the other day, which fortunately they took in the spirit that I was offering it with a smile. <laughs> Because uh, we we love um, dealing with with founders, they're 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 some of the brightest, most interesting, hardworking, um, just really engaging and fun people to be around. But but I said to one, you, you know, to be a founder, you have to be about a half bubble off plum to begin with, which is a <laughs> phrase they hadn't heard. I I I don't know where I picked it up. I certainly didn't create it. But you you know you have to be a little different, be willing to take. Uh, a steady income, and you know, again, these these are not these are not individuals who have failed elsewhere. They they are they are individuals who have who have um, uh, really been successful in other careers, but they've said, no, I want to do something unique, different. I I have an insight, or we as a founding team, which we always favor a founding team over an individual founder uh, that's different, and they're willing to go uh, take that make that plunge. So that that means that we're talking to people who um, 
you know, who have a different view of the world to begin with. And, uh, and in our business, we absolutely embrace that um, and, and look for that as well, um, that, that, they, um, that they are challenging the conventional wisdom. Mm-hmm. All right. So you um, are located in Des Moines, Iowa. And you all have noted that you really use your location as part of your strategic approach to investing in the insurance industry. Um, tell me a little bit about that and and how some some of those partnerships have worked for you. That. So um, as many, many folks in, who are listening to this podcast will know, Des Moines is a major insurance center. Uh, there are others around the country, but we are we are blessed by uh, a terrific number of insurance carriers being based here. And part of our original thesis when we entered this marketplace was to partner with insurers um, for both capital and their insights into where the real pain points were in the industry. Mm-hmm. So while Manchester Story is is not a corporate venture capital firm, we're an independent venture capital firm, and and my founding partner, um, Matt Kinley, and I make all the investment decisions. Um, we now um, have 16 insurance carriers who are both investors and what we call strategic partners uh, that we can bounce ideas off of. So that being in Des Moines for that purpose has been terrific. Although uh, the insurance companies we work with are all over the country, we do have a base in Des Moines as well. Um, uh, secondly, uh, we we have been blessed to work with with um, Broker Tech Ventures, mm-hmm. uh, which bases its activity again. It's backed by brokers and insurance carriers all over the country, but it bases its activities here, and the Global Insurance Accelerator, mm-hmm. uh, which is based in Des Moines too. So Des Moines has been a a, a terrific base for us. We're now invested in thirty two companies. Um, uh, only two of them of the 32 are actually Iowa based, mm-hmm. but, but many of the others have either been part of a broker tech ventures cohort or a global insurance accelerator cohort, or somehow have become connected to what's become a pretty robust ecosystem uh, in central Iowa for insure tech. Mm-hmm. So speaking of Broker Tech Ventures, they have had their accelerator running, I believe, for about three years now. Um, you have potentially found some uh, successful companies through that avenue. Talk to us a little bit about how working with their accelerator has been. You know, it's, it's just been splendid, in part because there is no equivalent uh, out there to broker tech ventures. Um, there are other insure tech focused accelerators around the country, some fine ones that we partner with um, uh, and and we'll continue to do that. But um, in terms of broker centric innovation, um, the the model, not not just the first, but I as far as I know today, and and we make it our business to try to stay on top of all of this. Um, the um, uh, broker centric accelerator is Broker Tech Ventures, and um, I know uh, we got into this. Uh, we got into InsureTech venture investing in 2017, um, and um, when uh, when we initially. Uh, in, invested or began to invest, we saw a lot of, of um, ideas for how 
um, brokers essentially, if I was going to shorthand it, brokers could be replaced entirely by technology. So just direct to consumer, we'll put up a web page, we'll do yeah. great search engine optimization, and off we go. And um, we passed on all those companies. And, and this is before Broker Tech Ventures and, and before we got involved with them. But when they came along, it, you know, we were, our eyes just lit up because um, in, insurance, uh, other than the simplest kinds of insurance, uh, and and arguably, you know, there are no simple forms of insurance, <laughs> but, but with, with rare exceptions, you need some expertise. And customers do increasingly want to be able to do it for themselves. They want to be able to do it mobile. They want to do it on the web. They want to pick up a phone. So omni-channel is important. But, but at the end of the day, if you get stuck or you're not sure what to do, there needs to be somebody with expertise involved. And BrokerTech Ventures is, um, is accelerating the ability of brokers to become tech-enabled, provide that whole omni-channel experience, let customers uh, get the kind of customer experience that they want to have, but not lose that really key expertise. And that's, and, and so we are, um, you know, we are uh, huge fans of what they're doing. Yeah, you know, we've been watching them um, sort of chip away at the back office operational type inefficiencies, um, you know, for the past few years now with all of these different companies. And it, it seems like a real progression of, of technology where they're sort of moving from piece to piece of the, of the workflow for, of the insurance value chain and really um, looking at all of the different aspects from back office to customer service to eventually claims and everything and, and just kind of digitizing the whole thing in a really um, thoughtful way. I think that's true. And one of the things, you know, as a venture investor, you're always looking for things that really move the needle in a big way, because if they just, if they're a bit better, then they're probably not appropriate for venture backing because um, there's just not going to be the return for investors. They might, they might be good, good, small companies, but um and and one of the things that excites us about the way that that broker um, that that startups that are focusing on distribution and and brokers and agencies uh, are is uh, one of the things that we think they're bringing to the table is an, a lot and, and a level of access to insurance that just heretofore didn't exist. Um, Small um, small companies, uh, for, for example, in the commercial PNC space, very small companies um, can be so small that with with a traditional approach, without without leveraging technology, the the, the premiums just don't make sense for the effort that's that's required, and, and so there's this this huge risk, uh, uninsured risk. There's this need that's not being met. And through the application of technology, um, it, it can make sense to deliver um, uh, even these low premium, low face kinds of policies and, and therefore expand the universe of, of insureds to a whole group that, that really was kind of ignored in the past and, and understandably so, but lamentably so. Mm -hmm. and, um, so and, and that's the kind of thing that can move the needle in a big way as well as, you know, you have to feel good about backing that kind of an effort as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you hear about how, 
you know, one thing that takes a, a small business out of operation for a day or two can sink them, right? If they don't have the coverage and the right. and the ability to get back up and running quickly. So it's it's definitely a crucial piece of the pie. Yes. All right. So I, I have to ask this. Um, we're in an interesting economic time. Um, inflation is rising. We're in a recession. No, not really. But, you know, some of the factors are there. There's a lot of speculation about that. So in this economic environment, what should insurtechs who are looking for um, investors, what should they be focusing on if there's more difficult decisions to make in this kind of environment? Is there any advice that you would give as, as we sort of close this out? There is, um, and I would probably give uh, similar, but maybe a little bit different advice to those that are seeking their first funding or at least their first institutional funding from those that are a little further along. Um, those that have, uh, and we invest early, we tend to be lead investors in series seed and series A rounds. That's where we enter and and we like leading. That's much more than just negotiating terms. We can go on the boards and really roll up our sleeves and try to help our companies be successful. At that stage, um, it, it still to me feels like a relatively constructive environment. Valuations aren't quite what they were uh, at, at peak. And I think we peaked around mid-year 2021 in terms of valuations, but, um, but there's um, there's still folks like us out there, you know, doing 30 minute meeting after 30 minute meeting all day long, looking for the right companies to back. And I I would say I would say don't be if if you're at that stage, you know, you, you need to come prepared. You always have. You need to have your story right. You need to know. You need to be able to convince folks that you're addressing a real pain point, not just a nice to have. That it's a big enough market, um, you know, that you can make the financials work, that there'll be margins there as you scale. All that stuff you had to do, you need to do before. But I wouldn't be put off from um, from moving forward at that stage. Later stage that already has some some money invested from institutional investors. I think you have two things to think about. One is you may have um, benefited, and it, it certainly felt like a benefit at the time. Of getting a really high valuation at some point in 2021, mm -hmm. you're now needing money. You're now needing new financing, and and valuations have adjusted, particularly later stage Series B, Series C, and later. Um, and so, be realistic that this might be a flat round. It might be a bit of a down round. The second is realistically assess how well you've done in terms of the benchmarks that you that you committed to achieve at the last financing. If you've achieved them. And you've and you've had the growth, and and it's it's time to for new capital so that you can continue to to um, ramp at the speed that you that you want to. Um, you you may not see the same sort of uptick than you saw before, but you should be financeable. If you have not met your benchmarks, then then you're you're going to have to you're going to have to be able to to address that and start start with yourselves. Uh, with an honest assessment of where you are, uh, and then understand that it's it's not as an easy a market today. Folks are not as forgiving today, but but again, it's it's um, there's still there's still opportunity there. 
the, in 2022, as we sit here today, there's 540 roughly billion dollars of dry capital and venture capital. That's up a hundred billion dollars since the end of the year. So there are folks like me who make our living finding you and investing in you and helping you achieve what it is that you want to achieve. Um, and we we haven't closed up shop. Uh, we're still we're still wanting to invest. I, I would say one other thing, which is maybe. Um, might be a little counter to a lot of what I'm reading. I'm, 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 I'm reading a, a lot of advice being given to um, startups saying, um, delay, delay everything if you can, to, you know, wait 12, 18, even 24 months if you can before doing the financing. Um, two things about that concern me. One is, um, every day that you wait, you have less cash in the bank as a startup. So to me, it feels like kind of a risky strategy. Mm-hmm. And two, it seems to all be based on an assumption that life will be better in terms of the economy 12, 18, 24 months from now. And if it's not, you've made a big gamble. So I think um, I think that the better course and the, the better risk management approach is, is to be realistic about where you are in your journey but continue to make sure that you have capital to move forward. And uh, if you have capital to, to carry you forward, certainly don't go out and raise, um, you know, just for the sake of, of raising, use that capital and hit new milestones and move forward. But, but to try to stretch those dollars out, um, uh, yes, you can reduce your burn. That's wise. Come up with a plan so that you can achieve um, break even or even uh, cash flow positive before you run out of cash. Those are both good things to think through and try try to put yourself in a position to do. But but don't don't stretch to the last dollar because that makes you weak in a in a way that sometimes can be difficult to recover from. Mm-hmm. Well, that is really helpful and thoughtful um, answer. So I appreciate that, and I yeah. I hope our listeners are paying attention. <laughs> It's been great chatting with you. I've really enjoyed it. Um, So thank you very much. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. That was Dave Miles, founding partner of Manchester Story. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. For more BrokerTech Ventures podcasts, go to leadersedge.com.